Hey everybody, this is Drew. And this is Blake. And you're listening to the Lock, Stock, and Two Smoky Controllers podcast. Episode 76. Now, before I get into it, I'm going to go ahead and go through our social media internet preamble presence. Uh, you can find us on all the social stuff. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. All just by searching the name of the podcast. We also have a, a Patreon that you know everyone knows what Patreon is. You know, you can get in it, you can get episodes early and unedited you can also get one of the tier is uh, you can help us name an episode which you like those really long ridiculous titles we also have uh, which Drew should have added to last week uh, when you find, find us on Spotify I didn't do it doing when you it, find us on Spotify it, we also have a playlist of all the songs that Drew has recommended from all the bands Right now, as you're listening to this, you should be hearing a bed of music. Uh, you can also, if you would like your music, like your music heard here, uh, you can email it to us at the number two smokecontrollers at gmail.com. I'm not sure which one Drew's going to pick because he kind of just tosses a coin and picks in one or, one of the others. I, I, I go back and forth. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, kind of. Now, as well as just in general, the bed music, uh, if, you ha- if you're a member of a band or anything, you can also send us that, and we would be willing to play that at the end of one of the episodes. Or if you got a friend or anything who's a music and you think they're really cool or want to support a friend like that, we'll, we'll play something like that. Nothing wrong with some free promotion. We have a store as well, the Lockstock store, where you can buy a couple of things. What, pillowcases, underwear beanie, koozie, just, you know, whatever you can think of, and if it's not on there, you can email us, and we can see about adding that item. One of our bigger projects that we've been taking on of late has been our Twitch channel, which is Lockstock and Controllers presents Lockstock and Three Smoking Controllers Co-op Endeavors. We've been hanging out with our cousin Brian. Uh, we just finished the game not too long ago. I'm not sure when it'll be dropped into the feed. Yeah. But we started one and well, we ended one and started one on the same night, so we're already into our next yeah. game. Well, we've been talking about it on here a little bit. We did finish Dark Souls, Dark Souls three, and we'll announce here that it won't take as long, nor near as long. But we did start Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Shredder's Revenge, and on that that the juxtaposition of that, of that stream, you should have seen it beating the final boss of Dark Souls three, and then swapping over and playing through. Like just about half, of eight nine levels, eight, of. Nine, eight nine levels of TMNT. So that was uh, pretty fun. So there'll eventually at some point we'll, we'll we will plan out and put out a uh, Dark Souls three episode in here somewhere. Now a little bit of uh, self promotion. We have a little brother podcast called Action, the movie podcast, with myself hosting and a good friend of ours, Steve. 
how that is is oh, it kind of spawned from this one how I try to sell people on a movie or a TV show without spoiling it with action the movie podcast we take turns semi-surprising one another by picking a movie usually well preferably something neither one of us has seen but don't always work out that way and then we do not discuss any detail of that movie until we record the podcast so our thoughts don't influence the other's perspective and that tends to be pretty cool we re-rate it and have a good time with that Mm -hmm. and that's got a new episode out today well not today when you listen to this podcast well Unless you're on the Patreon and listen to this podcast today, then the new episode of Action came out today. If you're a regular listener, then it came out a week ago. I know that's super interesting. A little more self-promotion is I also have a a short story that I have self-published through Amazon called They Come This Night. Uh, If you're a Kindle Unlimited member, it's free. If you're not, it's literally just a dollar. Feel free to review that so I can, you know, feed the algorithm and increased uh, visibility. Increased visibility. And anything right here if you don't feel like typing in anything, we do have all the links to everything in our show notes. Sounds good. And with that, uh, we will be jumping into this might this is a first of this type of episode. We have two games that we wanted to finish but they had left Game Pass before we had time to finish them. Like we just got, you know, juggling too many things and or games are just too long. One of these games doesn't. Well, I guess it has an ending, but one's a roguelike, so who knows? And so basically, we want to talk about them because we're not sure when they'll, if if or when they'll ever come back to Game Pass. And for the time being, because I've kind of put so much time into them. Definitely don't want to pay full price to finish off a game. Yeah, for sure. For like less than five hours of a game left or something, maybe. Well, one of them definitely a lot longer than five. One of them is probably five or less. And so I'm just hoping maybe we can find them on sale. But I do want to talk about them to maybe promote, again, visibility for the game so other people can look into them and maybe buy them full price without having had any issues into it or steps into it. All right. Not a Game Pass podcast. So our first game we're diving into is called Star Renegades. Star Renegades originally came out September 8th, 2021, so it's a fairly new game. It was developed by Massive Damage Games. Massive Damage Games only have uh, only have only developed three games thus far. Their first one being Halshin 6. Uh, it was originally called Halshin 6 Starbase. But they've since uh, added and did a whole bunch of stuff to it. So the final product is actually called the Lightspeed Edition. And that officially finished in August 10th, 2017, where they put all the updates and everything. So it is a complete game. It is a... I actually watched a trailer for it, and it looked 
pretty cool. I'll see if I can't get around to finding it somewhere. It's a very similar to this in its own right. It is a turn-based intergalactic RPG that also includes includes landing on the planet with your crew, and everyone kind of has their own little starship uniform based off their color t-shirt. You got red, blue, yellows, and stuff. How do you spell it? H A L C Y O N, number six. It's got a similar, it's got a more primitive art style in this. It's pixelated much like this one, but this is smoother. So I guess 8-bit to 16-bit. But it does some cool stuff where on planet you have your crew and you get into turn-based combat. But then when you're in space, you get into turn-based combat with your fleet. Looks like you had up to three different ships battling against uh, other people's, uh, other enemy ships. And so that looked pretty cool. I was kind of intrigued by that. I'd definitely look into buying that on my own. It does look like um, like not as good. Like it, you can tell, it's like an earlier game. Like like um, we get to what to what uh, Star Renegades looks like. I mean, they're, they're pixel graphics. Star Renegades looks like they're both pixel graphics, but Star Renegades looks a lot better than this. Almost like, like more, a eight bit to sixteen bit or something like that. Yeah, something like that. But what more? When the monsters, aliens are okay in this, I think. But this is their people, the people look really kind trash. of <laughs> kind of like generic. But the but the updated people for the other the other thing looks really cool. So you might, you might. I'll, I'll, I'll look into it for you. This might only be available on the Switch or Steam. Mm, I'll look into it. And their next game they made, which is the one we're talking about, which is Star Renegades, and I'll get more details into this as we get into it. They've officially finished with Star Renegades. It's gotten all the updates and everything that it's going to get, and they're currently working on an untitled third game. It is a third-person multiplayer open world action RPG that's the only thing the only notes I have on it and there is a promotional art of a, a landscape with two human well one humanoid looking character the other one's like a floating person and that's the only art I could find for the game so I'm not entirely sure what that one is but based off what I've seen I, I look forward to playing him massive damage games is a 12 person team right now and they and anyone who uh, is looking you're in luck it, they are hiring you can go into their website and fill out the form and send it in <laughs> some of their uh, some of their benefits include uh, 5 to 10 vacation days depending on how long you've been there they have a no crunch policy and they have a really cool thing that I thought was pretty cool um every friday to try to promote better mental health and physical health and overall well-being for working there is they have a thing fridays if it's not the entire friday it is guaranteed to be the friday afternoon and it is called self-direct fridays where you don't have to work on the project you're supposed to you can learn a new skill do something new work on something independent that you're willing to submit to the company, so that's pretty cool, actually. And yeah. that's every apparently for their crew, one of their schedules every Friday, if not the whole day, at least the second half of it. It's pretty cool. And they also offer a hundred percent remote work. I couldn't really find where they were. I know they have a home base because there's pictures of them all hanging out and stuff. Well, if, if they were, I mean, if they were, you know, given the, given the option, everybody probably went remote. Yeah. And the, the two founders were a, a set of brothers, Ken and Gary Seto. So that's pretty cool. And they're... So if you're, if you're looking to get into the video game business, 
perfect chance right here. They're hiring. Now, I it's the second time you had a, you, you promoted somebody that was currently hiring. Currently hiring. I shoot. I'm sure some of our listeners that like video games, maybe some of them want to get into video games, and this is their chance. That's that's the second opportunity knocking. Oh, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> I was trying to like knock, there not yeah, <clears throat> not the other thing. <laughs> not knocking boots. Anyway. You ruined that whole moment. I did. <laughs> we haven't we're gonna dive into it now what Star Renegades is. Star Renegades is a uh we said earlier it's a it's pixel graphics, but it's uh, I think it's like sixteen bit and it's gorgeously rendered. Yeah, for and we're not even again, we're not the biggest fan. Like this game would look dope if it had better graphics. Modern graphics. We're not we're not on the sick bit you know pixel graphics or king boat like like most of the world seems to be on or the video game industry seems to be obsessed with we're not on that boat but it looks i mean it looks okay it's but cool. it at looks the same cool. time for an independent company with 12 people they got to go cheaper routes yeah or they might just love pixel graphics that's a possibility too who knows it is a tactical roguelike with turn-based combat where you have a, like a general world, world map of uh, several planets, and the world maps are procedurally generated based off uh, what they have is called a, let me find it again, uh, something called the adversary system, which is very similar to the nemesis system of the Shadows of Mordor, mm-hmm. uh, whatever, yeah, Shadow of Mordor, but how their thing works is called the adversary system, as well as enemies and stuff procedurally generating based off how well or how bad you do against certain enemy types. Mm-hmm. It also does a thing, because of the roguelike nature of the game, is you, you die often or you lose often. They just, don't they just abandon that timeline? Yeah, I want to get to that here in just a second. But the adversary system, you can have up to six, uh, six members. One of them is a permanent member, the main character. Then you have five other people you can have a, a rotating kind of core group of. And... Depending on like if your character, like if they die, they don't die permanently. They just get beat up for the fight. But if you lose a fight, then your your character's AI will, hey, I have a hard time against this enemy type. And as they level up, will make themselves be more advantageous against that type. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Like they'll, they'll unlock bonuses and stuff like that. Or specific abilities within that class which will help defend or kill that enemy type. So you don't really have a lot of... You don't have really, you have control of your main character, mm-hmm. but no one else. Okay. You can buy their equipment and stuff, of course, but as far as their abilities and stuff, they'll choose to unlock certain things. And I thought that was kind of cool. That's cool. Like Drew said, how this works is it's a massive intergalactic war where we are on the losing side. And they're real creative with the names of the Republic versus the Empire. Anyway, the Empire is taking over the world, and we're at a crucial point where you have to like conquer these like five planets. Just defend the five planets. Defend the five planets, freedom, or like if it, I think one of them might be like a bad planet, you have to conquer and, and free. Right, what is conquering the right word? Well, uh, free, I guess. Are you? Because conquering force is coming in, right? You're 
trying to repel, liberate, re- liberate, repel. Yeah, you, yeah, liberate. Okay. Regardless, as you go through, it gets to a point where you have this little. It, it, the whole tutorial is actually this thing. It's teaching how to use your characters, use the game, and there's this little flying robot, and he's been downloaded with the. He's the R two D two. He's got the the information required for us to beat the Empire. And he gets launched through, uh, basically, we're just going to call it a Stargate. They used a different name, but it's been a minute since I've played. So they, they sent him through a Stargate to another dimension, another universe, another timeline. He unloads all this information from his creator to that universe's creator and explains the situation. And he also comes with all the blueprints and designs necessary to facilitate what needs to be done. Which is essentially creating a Stargate battling as far as we can and recording all information that's advantageous to us. And then when we start losing, you, the doctor, and your six team members. So now you can, of five other team members, you can swap out these other five members. And when you do, you only get to bring whatever you bring. So if you have a character and you like that character, don't swap them out. Because if you do, they get exploded and erased from existence with the rest of the universe. Because you only get to, it's a, it's roguelike, but your character growth stays. Hmm. That's how they do it. Kind of like, I think, I haven't played it yet, but I think Hades does that same thing where character growth stays. Yeah, we haven't played it yet. Anyway. Hades is something that left Game Pass and was way too long for us to try to try to play. True. So this sounds like, I, I, I feel like I played a bunch. I played through several. You should have your timer on your on your TA. Well, that's the thing is, I feel like I played a whole bunch. I played through several timelines, like four or five different timelines. Mm-hmm. And according to TA, my time was only th- four hours. But I feel like I played a lot longer than just four hours. That can't be right. Yeah, that seems weird because you played a lot. I, mine's mine's uh, mine says nearly three, and you played a lot more than I did. Exactly. So I don't know what was maybe, going. Maybe on. your timer ain't. Maybe you lost some internet or something. I don't Who know. knows. Because I played, I got, I'm, I'm right at three hours, and and you played. I only played like two nights. You played like a whole lot more. Almost a full week, I thought. I played yeah, a bunch. That might be one night for me. I don't know, but yeah, you played a whole weekend or something about. Yeah. Yeah. I got no clue. I just know that it's got 44 achievements or whatever, and it's been known to have some glitchy ones. Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure what they are, but they are glitched. Because according to TA, roughly 12. 12,000 people have played this. Maybe a little little more. 12,000 on TA again. It, j- just on TA. Yeah, not, not counting Steam, Xbox, so on and so forth. But just These on... These are just registered users of TA. Just on TA. And only two people have 100% all the achievements. Yeah. So there's definitely something wrong there. You'd think more people would be able to play it. But it is a roguelike, so maybe there's a bit of um, randomness to some of the things. But regardless... In my four hours, I did manage to get 14 of the 44, which most of the stuff I got was like... Yeah, I got nine. Beat the tutorial. Get your first loss. Get your first win. Get your first uh, behemoth beaten. It was a lot of first. Enemy captain and so on and so forth. But I was definitely digging it. There are 17 classes to pick from for your character. And each, each class, I think, has three separate people that are that class. Usually it's a little random, but it's like 
how do I explain it? It's the same character, but they might have a either they learn different abilities or they they have different starting out abilities, but by the end can know almost the same stuff. But also depends on their adversary system, depending on if they tend to be more you know use them as attacking or defending or support. The characters I use, the main character, she is a Valkyrie, which uh, she is basically she's in a, an exo suit with a big sword and hits people real hard. That's all she 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 hits hard and can take hits. Then I had a character that was an Archon, which was basically your monk. He had used gauntlets, and yeah, he, he hit people fairly difficult, but he was only hitting one person at a time. He also had the ability to throw up um, shields and do light healing. He was you know mostly attacking with light support. Then I had your saboteur. I'm not going to go through all the classes. I'm just using the classes that I used. Then the saboteur was your gunslinger. A lot of uh, AOE damage area of effect, which would include uh, status effects, poison, paralysis, so on, confusion. And that was mainly his thing, was to just use splash damage and AOE and try to keep everyone, hamper everybody, hence saboteur. And then the final one I used was a character called the their Paragon. Now it's a another person that's in a big exosuit, but the Paragons or the general all arounders. He was he used instead of he used a, a gun and a like a not a sword, but it was like a big knife. And he was basically just it's a big knife, not just a sword. There's a difference between a mech sword and a mech knife. Hmm. We'll just say that. Or exosuit. And he kind of just bounced around and did all that stuff. And then there is a character I used who was your primary support. She was uh, the magic user, but they didn't call it magic. It was like some form of alien telekinesis. And she was healing and shields and all-around support. I forget what that class was called, but yes. I don't have, unfortunately, I don't have a whole lot more to talk about just because I didn't apparently I only played four hours I feel like I played a lot more than that but it's something that you want to I definitely wanted to keep keep playing for sure it must have been you must have got to it like during because some some sometimes when the game pass stuff is leaving you have multiple games I feel like and you might work your way through multiple games and then like the time you get to a game you don't always realize that like oh this is the game you picked second or third and then you get to it you're like oh dang I like this game a lot more than I thought I would and you kind of you run out of time on on that I guarantee it was based off some of the other stuff um I didn't play it nowhere near as much uh that's why Blake talked mostly through this I didn't I'm not Either one of us are a bit too big into roguelikes, but Blake seemed to like this a little a little more than I did. Like after my first session, I was like, I kind of get the gist of what this game's doing well, for me, and I don't really need to put more time into it. It's, it's because it's rogue-like, like yeah, because you got to keep something. It wasn't yeah. just start from scratch every time. I got my character got to, and the characters that I chose to bring with me. Now, if any, like I said, if any point I wanted to try out a new character, I was okay to try that new character out. But if I was losing, I needed to swap that other character back in if I wanted to keep their progress. Yeah, because if, if if I if I kept them out and s- then they were gone, they'll have much. I mentioned earlier when you, when you lose lose your team quickly runs to a portal and you completely abandon a timeline to be to be lost forever. Yeah, you literally you just kind of leave and yeah, millions of billions of people die and you just move on and trying to stop the aliens. In it's kind of timeline. crazy that everyone goes along with it. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's just like this last ditch effort plans yeah. they have to try to stop these things. Go big or go home. Yeah. So again, I didn't play it. 
as long, but uh, we're we're hoping at some point like this just falls to a now this this game here is normally twenty four ninety nine, which isn't terrible considering the in, almost infinite playability. Yeah, that's actually not a bad for a game that like you said infinite playability. Uh, we probably wouldn't pay that. We probably pay like maybe around ten dollars. You would think you would. If it ever gets that low, I don't know. A game this big might never get that low. I don't, you know, yeah, every game gets super cheap eventually. We need to check the more recent sales and stuff anyway. But when it gets low enough, Blake would probably purchase this and continue to play it. If we ever get to a point where he plays enough and finds some sort of ending, we might have a, like a revisit on this. I probably won't play it anymore. I kind of got what little I wanted out of it. And I was just kind of using Game Pass to test it anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, anything else for this one? Mm-mm. Not really. I'm all good. So it's pretty cool. You, re- you recommend it to people who like this kind of stuff? Definitely. Yeah. It looks like anything turn based or slight micromanaging. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the, the roguelike playability as well as the pixel style art graphics. I don't think it was voiced, but with the amount of like. Was it not? Well, I don't remember if it was voiced or not. I don't think it was. Been a, well, I don't remember. It's been a minute. Hmm. All right. We're going to our second game, which we both played. Well, kind of opposite this one, like Blake liked Star Renegades a lot more than I did. I tend to like the next game a lot more than Blake did, and I wanted to beat it. I just flat out ran out of time. I put, a, I feel like I put a lot of time into it too, and didn't get it, didn't get it done. The second game we'll be diving into is called Spirit Fairer. Spirit Fair originally came out August 18th, 2020. It was developed and published by Thunder Lotus Games. Uh, interesting tidbit, they originally wanted to be called Lotus Games, but the, um, the founder of the studio, Will Dubai, realized there was another company called Lotus Entertainment that had been around for a lot longer and wanted to avoid any and all legal possibilities so he just added on something else so they're thunder lotus games i thought that was kind of interesting but he had the foresight because the game speaking of that will to buy it didn't say what company he worked for but it says originally he worked for a mobile de- mobile development company it was strictly mobile games this that and the other and that he wasn't happy he hoped that it would move on to other things but he was it was the same thing over and over again Mobile gaming. <laughs> yeah. So he literally quit his job and started a Kickstarter from a, a game that he wanted to make. They, I don't know why they wouldn't let him make it, but he wanted to create his own game. So the company has made three games thus far. And that is Jotun, which is an action-adventure puzzler. I played Jotun. It was a free on gold one time, I feel like. Yeah. I didn't get very far because it's incredibly hard. Yeah. So we have Jotun. Mm, art style kind of matches this And one. then Sundered, which is a roguelike Metroidvania. Heard, I've heard of Sundered. I avoided it because of what it looked like. Yeah. And then this, oh, Spirit Fair. Sundered, I think. Is that something I almost bought? Is that, is that, Sundered was on the DS, and you were drawing the slashes on the DS, maybe. I think that was, maybe that was Sundered. Mm-hmm. No? Well, I don't know. I'm not sure. 
You can look it up, but I don't think yeah. so. I played I played Yoten. Did you not? You probably never touched it. It would seem really difficult. So they've actually done quite a good bit. So he 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 got Yoten. All three of their games have been kickstarted, and all three of the games have have managed to get their get their hit their goal. God, brain broke for a second. Yoten, which originally came out in 2015. By 2016, had sold uh, a million copies, which is pretty awesome. Uh, Sundered, because of the success of Jotun, when they put out Sundered uh, on Kickstarter, it literally hit its goal the following day. So Sundered might not be what I thought it was. But so I a lot of people liked Jotun enough, and they supported Sunder, so it made good money. And the they still kickstarted Spiritfarer, but with the success of Jotun and Sundered, Another game called Quantum, another publisher rather, called Quantum Knights, approached them with uh, funds to finish uh, a third game, which is Spirit Fair. So they've, and now Spirit Fair has been their most successful. Again, it has uh, December 21, 21. So what is that? 12, then August, September, October, November, December. So like 17 months. What if it would be most successful just because of it's just for accessibility? I think, I think it's accessibility. It's like, there's no combat. It's the first game they had without combat. Mm-hmm. So, um, And Jotun was difficult. I never, I never played Sundered. So in 16 to 17 months, it sold over a million copies, which is phenomenal. For any developer. For any developer. Like, fantastically so. And... They've just, just in general, it's like an all-around success story, I think. He quit a horrible job that he hated working at a mobile company, kickstarted something, got a group of friends together. A total now is 16 employees. They have 14 full-time employees working on music, design, everything. Yep. And they have two people whose entire job is uh, publishing, getting around, and promotional product. So instead of having the entire team wasting time on building promos and stuff for the, that's these people's job, they just make promo stuff of what is given to them. So they're not making anything that doesn't exist for no damn reason. And they also secure publishing rights and funds. So they're actually they're pretty awesome. Speaking of Spirit Fair, Spirit Fair is a relatively large game. It is a side-scrolling adventure platformer with beautifully detailed art mm-hmm. beautiful beautiful art it's also got it's basically also a uh, a management mm-hmm. simulator yeah you're managing a boat a big a boat that well, it starts off small and gets dramatically bigger uh, we'll, we'll get into some other things here in a second but the game itself not only is it massive it has had three incredibly large updates mm-hmm. uh, updates are the Lily update the Beverly update and then the Jackie and Daria update which included adding in a character character side quest as well as character mini game for four characters as well as in general accessibility features for the whole game mm-hmm. And the final product that you get to play is called Spirit Fair Farewell Edition, and includes all these uh, essentially expansions, updates, expansions, 
which were all Kickstarter goals for free. Mm-hmm. That you didn't have to pay for any of this. It was all given for yeah. free yeah, to we, everybody. When we, when we played it on Game Pass, it was automatically the farewell edition. So that's pretty outstanding of them. With all those updates, it may have been what led to the game being a little too long for me. Mm-hmm. But that's... I feel like it does lose some steam. It, it kind of it does. Um, you want to take it over from here, Drew, and kind of explain what we got to do? Give us a general... I can. So your character is... Is the Spirit Fairy the title of the character? Is that the name of the boat? I remember that. It's it's your title as a your character. Title. Yeah, your character is... I forgot her name. Stella. Stella. And she... I, I don't really follow a lot of her story that well, but she's pretty much recruited by Karen. Yeah, Karen it? or Chiron. How, how you pronounce it? The Spirit Fairy of... Carries souls to the, helps souls move on by carrying them when they're like in a purgatory state. Helps them carry them to the ever door so they can ascend. I guess pretty much what it is and kind go, of yeah go yeah ascend. I guess ascend maybe correct. So I don't remember exactly why because I, I played for so long I wasn't really wrapped up in the story all that much. Well, because Chiron um, is retiring and you're he's kind of retiring after he's life, been doing after it, millennia. He's been doing it for like ten thousand years or something. Yeah. And then he picks her for some reason. Because I think you're just the person who comes yeah, on the date. Because Stella doesn't have any... Well, probably Stella doesn't have any dialogue. Not so really. you're, she's kind of just you, I guess. I'm not, so you're, you never really figure out why she's chosen... Well, you might get told eventually why she's chosen in particular. Because you meet a lot of people, which I also find strange. A lot of people you... The people... The spirits you collect are people who seem to know her from her, her life. Which I don't know if that's a... It can't be a coincidence, obviously, but why would? Because it's not like Karen only 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 boated around picking up people he knew in life, and he was allowing except for like ten thousand years. Like he didn't. Maybe it's just her intro, and then after that, after maybe, you get maybe, after you get rid of everyone you know, yeah. then you move on to everyone else. Everyone else, I guess. I could. It's a good tutorial for how to do tutorial your job. How to do your job for the next forever, just yeah. near, near forever. At least ten thousand years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she's recruited, and uh, given a boat. And what you generally do through the game is you boating back and forth across all these different islands and stuff like that, talking to and collecting these various, there's, there's spirits everywhere. You're only collecting like certain ones, ones that maybe, I, I guess the ones that seem to be, I don't know how you know, unless it's like this built into the power of the spirit fair, that like ones that are close to being ready to move on. Yeah. So, and then they, you bring them onto your, do you sometimes you get sometimes I just join you right away in the beginning and eventually some start needing other other little pushes to like come and come onto your boat and you bring them onto your boat and that's where most of your game is spent boating back and forth and expanding the boat and they have little houses and they give you little goals and you're boating back and forth across this ocean um, just trying to complete these goals to help these people move on to the Everdoor and this is where you learn. And each, like, they have, like, milestones, I guess. And they're, like, you talk to them all the time, and they have milestones in their goals where you get, like, a, a little more story of who they were or, or their, a lot of regrets and stuff like that or and uh, how they died. Uh, it's mostly sad stuff, but handled in, like, somehow this game, to me, wasn't depressing. It was handled in a way that was kind of... Because these people are already dead. You can't be sad that they're passing on. Because you get to you hear all their sadness, you get all their their story, story, and then by the end of it, you are literally the last like 
it's, it does, there's a cool thing where like all the artwork, everyone gives you like a, a last embrace and they thank you because mm-hmm. it's heartfelt because you've allowed them to figure out, you know, just figure out themselves and their lives and to accept themselves for who they were mm-hmm. and give them the power and self-confidence and love or whatever to, to, move, on. to move on. So yeah. it's actually, it's a journey of self-realization and acceptance and moving on. Yeah. You've already had the sadness of your death, and now this is your afterlife. Yeah. So I didn't find, I don't know if how many people really find this game to be. It's not sad. It's meant sad. to be heartfelt, and like, I'm sure did, some people did, get did teary some, some of them say that any, any developers, you see anything or like this game's not meant, or you just think, you just think it's not that's meant it, to that's be. That's how I perceived it as. It's not meant to be sad. The game's too bright, I think. Yeah. Too bright and colorful. Well, because maybe yeah. to be sad. It does cover a bleak subject. Because you, everyone you're encountering is dead, and that includes a roster of people of all ages. Yeah, yeah. You you ran from older folks all the way down to there's one kid, yeah, the younger kid. He's like what five or six? I'd say eight at the most. At the most, probably younger than that because yeah. how he talks. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it, it might pluck at your heartstrings and get you teary eyed. But at the end, it's kind of like people who think that the Notebook's a sad movie when it's really a happy movie. Yeah, because they you know get to, at the end of the movie spoilers, they get to die together. Blake's movie today is the Notebook. No, but it's like that. Yeah. I, th- I think at the end it's heartfelt and acceptance yeah. and all that. You're stuff. smiling by the end of most yeah. things. Like you're like you you, you kind of you think back on it, you're like oh this was this was nice. I think all the stories I finished but one. There was one character that I just hated. I didn't care much for them at all. We, we kind of banged through a couple. You got, you got them all written down. We can probably bang. Yes, I have all the names written down. Yeah, we could we could bang. We'll bang through them here in a minute. Cause I hate I hate usually hate doing lists on the podcast, but this game is really about them. We could do a quick synopsis of each character and who and the ones we like the most and stuff like that. Uh, you are given what is that orb of light? Like Karen gives you this light. I don't even know what it was called. It's just the. Uh, what was it called? Do you have it right oh, now? the Everlight. There we go. The Everlight. So you had this Everlight, and the Everlight, it's kind of a neat little ball of light. I'm not sure what its main purpose really is, but it seems it's to... It's like a, an attach. It's an extension of your soul. Yeah. So it it's kind of... You don't have to go around collecting tools or doing anything. The Everlight turns into everything you need, which is kind of neat. and has lots of really cool animations, like when you're... Uh, when you're paddling, so when you take somebody to the Everdoor, you go into, you get onto a smaller boat and you paddle them to the Everdoor, so the Everlight turns into a paddle. It looks really neat. When you're uh, doing there's there's farming, and you're farming, it turns into a scythe or shears shears for sheep. Uh, it'll do uh, it's any it's any cool. It turns into any basically a pickaxe. A pickaxe when you're doing the mining thing. So it's kind of a cool little uh, little ball of energy that does whatever kind of, kind of like you said extension of her soul it turns into whatever she needs in the in the moment and randomly enough you have Stella the game also has a co-op feature which I think was added later which yeah, I local co-op yeah yeah where you can play as Daffodil which is Stella's pet cat it's a white cat that has also been imbued with the Everlight because it stole a little bit of yours which is maybe sad did her cat die with her yeah I don't know <laughs> Uh, the, and the cat has its own own little. We, we didn't do any of the co-op stuff. It, I think it would just be it'd be, it'd be it'd annoying. Be, it'd be cumbersome trying to figure out what you're both doing. But the cat does seem does seem to have. No, it doesn't help. It doesn't. In single player, it doesn't help you do anything really. It helps I mean, you. Well, it does do the one thing where you saw a tree down. It hops on the other side. And you saw yeah. a tree together. So that does. So I guess it would does do that. 
but she does seem to have her own little set of different anim- animations. Well, the one I wrote down pretty early in the game that I thought was pretty funny is when Stella jumps into the water and swims. The uh, certain daffodil you said daffodil. Her she, she jumps on too. The Everlight, her Everlight falls into the water. She jumps on top of it and her hair's all standing up because cats don't like water, you yeah. know? And the, the ball shoots across the top of the water. Kind of so like she, spins so she, her across the water. So kind of like uh, Aang from Avatar The Last Airbender with a little ball underneath him. It yeah. literally does that and rolls across the water yeah, without it ever so, getting wet. So she does, she does that. I thought that was kind of funny. And you just, you'll just see lots of, um, between her and other various things that happen, lots of highly, really detailed and thought out and, um, I won't say complicated, but com- more complex you're not you do reuse some stuff, but like there's a lot of unique animations to a lot of things. They they put a lot of work into the the animations. Do you want to kind of shoot through some of the characters? Yeah, because that's kind of where the the you know the, the crux of the game is is talking to. The problem is to go into detail for all of them would be we won't. Yeah, we'll just kind of plow through a few of them. These two people, and if you have a favorite, yeah, these two people I'm about to name first aren't members. Of that, that join your ship, but they're members in the world that help you. Yeah. First and foremost, I want to jump into Albert, the shipwright. Yeah, the shark. He has horrible jokes and puns that he tells every time you meet him. But he's who you go to to cash in, upgrade your boat, upgrade your blueprint station, and upgrade all upgrades for your yeah, boat. Yeah, just upgrade everything. And then you have, and he's... Oh, we forget to mention, because I just said he's a shark. But literally a shark. Not like he's a bad guy shark. All he's the spirits, an anthropomorphized. Yeah, so all the people you see who are... Some are just like generic, you floaty spirits, but it feels like the spirits, like your people who join you, it's like they... It's a pretty... It's a, it's a little event when they kind of... They form into like a, a more solid form. So you got little spirits all over the world. You can talk to them. They're more vague. They kind of look like Among Us characters. They're all shaded, <laughs> and like they have like little stubby legs and arms are like black, and then they have like a body and a head that are of a color of green or orange or red. Yeah. They literally look like they could have been something out of Among Us, except but, they have eyes and a mouth instead of the giant face. But Albert has formed himself, which is weird in the world. I never thought about it. I mean, I mean, Albert is a spirit who has enough awareness to solidify himself, but has no intention of leaving. He's helping you. Yeah, maybe he's old. Maybe he's an old recruit for the Spirit Fair. There's also there's a few others. There's yeah. the the collector Sharon the Walrus. She the walrus, she yeah. is formed, mm. and then you have Alex, the fast travel sea lion. Yeah, and then you have <laughs> I like him because he has his own theme song that he plays, and if you tell him to, uh, you could actually it's really not it's like bang, 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 it's like a bunch of noise and drums and stuff and horns and, and honking horns. and. And uh, it eventually, pretty soon, it comes endearing. But if you, when you first meet him, you tell him like, "Is he something about his music? Do you want me to stop the music?" And you tell him yes, and then he's the saddest dude ever. He's like, "Oh, I guess you don't like all my efforts for this music." And he gets real sad, and he like, and I, I immediately clicked for him to turn it, turn back his, on, turn his music back on. That was <laughs> I really didn't funny. want to be sad. And he got real sad real fast for somebody who's really goofy and happy. But he's he's how you uh, he kind of magically he magically lets you fast travel from different points across the map. So yeah, he's there. These are people that tend to like help the spirit fair. Maybe they just have, they just have maybe she's have a job assignment. Maybe she's like Karen. Yeah. They just have these assignments that they exactly work out until. And there's two other ones. There's the the wandering shopkeep. Mm-hmm. Uh, forget his name off the top of my head. And then you have uh, the the raccoon. 
Oh, yeah, they run the different little random you, stores. Yeah. Hmm. There are a couple ones that don't are like that. So, yeah, those are other spirits, I guess, that are, just have jobs like Karen does. You just kind of didn't think about it. The people, that the spirits that join your ship. Uh, I'm going to kind of plow through their names fairly quickly, and we'll get into some of the, the favorites if we, if, as we get into it. Everyone's starter is a deer named Gwyn. Mm-hmm. And then you have the frog atoll, the snake summer, the hedgehog Alice, the, I think she was a, a wolf or a lion, Ast- no, I think she was a wolf, Astrid. Mm-hmm. And then her cohort, uh, Giovanni. Then there's a, a large bird, Gustav. And then there is Buck, who was a basilisk. And then you have Elena, who was a greyhound. I think she's like the, the elegant woman. Yeah, I struggled with her with her her missions. Then you have the brothers Mickey and Bruce, which is the canary and the bull. Okay, then you have Stanley the mushroom, as well as uh, the updates. Lily the butterfly. Beverly the parrot. No, no, yeah, yeah, I think she's a parrot. Oh no, she's an owl. She's an owl. Then you have Jackie the hyena, and Daria. Yeah, that's my problem. My, my length of my game, I never, I never, I don't think I don't think I, I, think I, I met think Daria. Ever, I met Jackie. I don't never got to Daria. I don't. I think I loosely met. I didn't know she was a butterfly. Cause she hadn't joined my boat yet. But Lily, yeah, she turns into a butterfly. Yeah, I think she's where we're. I think she's where Jackie is. Mm-hmm. So I'd actually get to see get to see them or anything like that. I mean, I talked to Jackie. I was, I was doing Jackie's stuff, but so yeah. But uh, Lily, Lily the butterfly. Beverly the Owl, Jackie the Hyena, and whatever Daria is. Them four and all their their islands, their side quests, and all that stuff were free updates on the back end. Yeah. So technically, the last thing you sh- the last character you should have gotten would have been between Buck and Elena. Yeah. But then they added four more yeah. on top of it. That's a lot. Do you have any um? So like I said, they're all they're all loaded down with stories. Do you have any like anybody you thought was uh, particularly. Uh, your favorite character or particularly maybe sadder than because there's they all have varying degrees of different stuff I think I saw a lot of posts about Atoll mm-hmm. because he's the one his ending is different kind of different than everybody else's and everybody want to everybody talks about it I don't know if I want to spoil his particular because you got to hit where his ending yeah where his, his is a little different than everybody else's um, in, in a way I don't, and I can't, I don't know if I want to say it on this to like particularly spoil it, but like he's talked about quite a bit for somebody you get so early. And uh, I also wrote, I love because everybody has sleep animations where they go and they, they go lay down and go, everybody else goes and lays in beds. But he has a separate room in, in his little house where he closes the door and it fills with water and he just sleeps in a, in a, in a, in a, oh, room, really? a I didn't even, I never, I, I never went to his house while he was sleeping. Yeah. You know how, cause he has a separate door and it closes. I followed him in there one time and it goes and it fills with water and he sleeps in a pool, like a closed off pool of water. Well, he's a giant he's frog. A frog. Toad, he's a big frog. Yeah. He's a big frog. Yeah. I was like, Oh, that looks really cool. And it was kind of neat to watch it animate out and do its whole thing. And all, like I said, all the animations are awesome. And every single you character. You can't talk highly enough about the animations. You know, and every single character they have a, because uh, one of the things you can get, you can feed people their favorite foods to increase their happiness meter. You can feed, uh, you can do some of their favorite activities. Like, uh, I think Atoll likes food, but he owns a, a lumber thing. And every time he uses the, the lumber making thing, it makes it makes him happy because you're using something that he made. Is he lumber? Yeah, everybody's attached to things. But yeah, anyway. He's either lumber or still working. 
And then, of course, every single one of them have a an, an absolutely adorable hugging animation. Mm-hmm. Where they're like, you hug them and they look shocked for a second and then they get real happy and they just give you a yeah. hug. That's why I struggled with, there's one character, one of the late characters, that she doesn't want to be touched. And I got so, it was so used to uh, hugging. Like, you either feed, talk, hug, or feed pretty much to everybody you talk to. You kind of just go down the list. And I hugged her one time, or tried to. And it put her thing into the negative so bad, her her affection for my character that I don't think I think I was struggling to get her to ever get out of that hole. And I, I think I might have screwed up like an achievement for me or something. I just couldn't get her out of that hole. Yeah, she she was the only one that was that responded negatively to affection. Yeah, which was strange, but it also sort of fit her character. She was a very proper lady. Mm-hmm. I was much more attached to the first set of about four or five yeah. than I was to the. The, the latter half just because maybe I think I was... that's just because of the length of the game like you're like I wonder I wonder I wish people would write into this and tell us like if you're I'm sure everybody's got their favorite like but I get this like I was too like I started to care a little less a little less about the later half of characters just because you're just at this point you've played a bunch and you're running back and forth trying to get them to talk to them tell me what you want tell me what you want just tell and me what you want and you know by that time you've kind of run you've You've already explored the whole world. At a certain point, yeah. A certain number of characters, you've had, you've so had the you, entire map available. You kind of lose the sense of wonder and excitement for something new. Now you're just kind of going through, going the, through the going through the motions. I feel like the game is a little, a little, a little too long for its for its own good. Probably my favorite set were probably in the middle. Like I, I enjoyed uh, Gwen and Atoll. Atoll was always a fun, easy to do. Yeah, uh, I like even when you talk to a character, they have uh, up and down arrows for things they like, and you kind of you kind of see their history of things they like. It's like ooh, ate the favorite food up, or other things would happen. Like uh, a lot of one of the people's down down things was uh, annoyed by Atoll's racket. Oh yeah, because he was banging and clanging. <laughs> He's banging and clanging on stuff all the time. He's making a lot of noise. But like every character who was around when Atoll was around, you always see it in their history was a net was a down for. Annoyed by Atoll's racket, which I liked Atoll, of course. Annoyed but. by Atoll's racket, and then intimidated by Bruce and Mickey because they were kind of like mm-hmm. mobsters. They was yeah. they were intimidated yeah. by so and so recently. Was intimidated by Bruce and Mickey, yeah, because the bull didn't talk, but he was big and burly, and then the little tiny little hummingbird was like, yeah, the, was the one that talked, and he was real brash and mean to everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, who was your favorite necessarily? Probably my favorite three were the ones in the middle. Uh, Atoll was fun. He was fun and easy, but I really enjoyed Summer, Alice, and Astrid. They I liked were... Summer. Summer was really good, and she. There's a lot of um, metaphor in the game. Kind of fantastical is a. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but a little bit about Summer is she talks about battling the dragon. Yeah, she's and she's a cancer person. I just said I didn't want to spoil it for people. Well, it's fine. I mean, I mean, people have heard Battle of the Dragon before, like, and she talks about it a lot. Yeah, and if you're, you kind of almost have to be blind to think she's fighting dragons. But then you actually encounter the dragons, and they act as like a semi boss fight. It's like a puzzle boss fight. We have to break these. Uh, was it ores? Ore deposits on all like poison ore deposits. Yeah. Yeah. And you beat the, you quote unquote beat it, and you get, you know, a further story, and you get access to these different rare ores. Yeah, it's like she's, a, we'll spoil her a little bit. It's like when you fight them, and throughout her story, she's fighting the dragon over and over again. 
I, I think she's reliving, like she's kind of in the spirit form. She's reliving her up and down battle with with cancer. Is what yeah. is really is really what she's kind of re-experiencing and kind of. And like you said she comes to terms with. I, we'll talk about hers because hers cancer is a common thing. Yeah. So hers hers is the not metaphor, but hers is the her hers is the the cancer battle. You'll you'll talk. Nobody else in the game has dealt with cancer. There's other stuff. There's Alzheimer's. There's an Alzheimer's and... one, which is kind of sad. Because yeah. that even does a thing where you keep talking to that character. I won't, we won't say you keep talking to her and she keeps forgetting and you keep repeating yourself and keep doing things with her over and over again. And you think it ain't going to end, but it's just like her dealing. It's a, it's just what happens and eventually her thing's ready. It's, it actually ends up being really sweet because she realizes. Yeah. She thinks you're somebody else for a while. It's kind of like the whole, whole yeah. Alzheimer's thing. But the the cancer thing is a pretty a pretty uh, common and relatable uh, thing for people, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but her, but it's it's way it's presented in a way as you fight you fight actual dragon things but she talks about the ups and downs and she thinks she has a she beat, beat the and dragon but then the uh, it, it, the dragons came back and the yeah. dragon's brother came back or something it was actually yeah. it's really good yeah I like, I like in her anime because she she is a snake I think she might be a python she's yeah. a big green python she's animated really cool but way she like she'll like walk when she slithers around the cage, obviously the snake, but then she goes to hug you and she loops her body to where instead of wrapping around you like a snake, she makes like little hoops and then gives you like a side hug. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't wrap around you and like try to choke you. She just kind of, it's weird how she, but it's really awesome. It's not clever how they kind of thought of her. To... Ooh, kind of like the best way I would describe it was like one of the more famous snakes is um, from Jungle Book. Yeah. How he like would use the full like abandon his arm to make it look like an arm or an elbow and stuff mm-hmm. like that. A lot of snakes do that in the animation. Yeah. Pretty cool. I said earlier there was a character that I absolutely hated. Mm-hmm. These is this is the only character set. Well, it's the second character set that comes as a combo. Is you have Astrid, who is a very strong woman, very mm-hmm. strong woman who's um a philanthropist and she's rich and she's happy and she's all this stuff and she's confident and she is uh she's a wolf of some sort i thought she's i think, she, she, I think she's, she's a dog she seemed like she wish she was a the thing is she was strong and confident and prideful i, I think they'd all had a did they struggle to like want her to be a lion, but a female lion? But she can't big. have a mane. Yeah, yeah, she's big and bold, like a like a lion. So she does it say where she's a wolf because she's bigger than a wolf. I feel like, but uh, I didn't like Asher a lot. But Asher, so I'm saying you, you didn't like her her paired character. No, I absolutely hated Giovanni. Yeah, Giovanni was. You get more into it, but what what their thing is? It seems to be is it's another. I don't, I don't say a cliche, but it's a story okay, where she's Ash- a she is a lynx. A lynx is okay, what more they classify her as. Yeah, more of a cat, big cat. So she is a big cat, and Giovanni is a lion. Giovanni is a lion. So so she's a lynx is maybe a female lion. I don't really know what a lynx is exactly, but so you would say that her story more or less. You don't. I don't really know how how she died, but her story is a basically a very powerful, confident woman who like her where her one weakness is a man. Yeah, as a man that she just can't get away from, and I, I I hate I hate that for her. It's a story you have to kind of watch it play out. And on top of having to watch it play out, is she uh, he died and she talks about him. Mean, he was a cheating man and mm-hmm. all, he was a player and always got around, but he would always come back to her because they were married. Mm-hmm. And then at a certain point during her story and his story, 
you catch him in the act of cheating. Yeah. Undeniable proof that he's cheating, and you have a choice. Even as even as a spirit. Even as a, yeah, and you have a choice. It actually revolves to two separate. It's the only split choice achievement I, in the game. In the game, and that, that sucks because it. it and I know for a story, it's whatever, but like for like for achievement people, it's like come on now. There's one split achievement in the whole game. And now you can choose to lie to Astrid and say, no, he's not cheating. He's getting you an anniversary gift. Mm. Or you can be like, yes, he is cheating. Oh, on I told you. the truth. Oh, yeah, for sure. I hated the dude's guts. And then that leads to, like, you have to do some extra stuff for him. You have to find him a place to live and stuff and in order to get him gone. Away from her. Because like, he, like, helps himself to living in her, her, her yeah. house. Because they were married. Why wouldn't he? But yeah. he's also, but he's he, just... Yeah, he's probably he's written he's written that way on purpose. Like I don't I don't think anybody's supposed to like Giovanni. No, and then but the only problem is when you tell her, it destroys her. Yeah, it, it just does. It goes she goes from being this ball of just happiness and just in general happy things. And one thing I didn't mention is that every single character has a pet name for Stella. Mm-hmm. And uh, Astrid calls you Munchkin, and she she calls you her little Munchkin, which is you know she's just because you're a lot smaller than she is. She's oh yeah, she's, she's a, a rather large character. rather large cat, but it just destroys her. Like she, he never. I, I wonder literally... if this is that whole thing where it's better she didn't know because because she's already passed away and wants to move on. Maybe if it was cause neither one of us did the thing where we didn't tell her. I wonder if her first her, her ending would be slightly different. I wonder why they gave her two different. Things you know, like was that one? Was that, like, was that like a developer favorite character as well? Maybe I did like her a whole bunch. Yeah, she was good. But she's the only one that has like a dual, a dual uh, sort of plot there. Really, it's because she's tied to another character. Because Giovanni has no plot besides being a, a bad dude. Yeah, he's just a jerk. Yeah, and then like even once they break up, mm-hmm. he's still. Goes around acting like nothing happened. Yeah, yeah he, 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 he never, I think never, he finally realizes, oh, I should have been better to her at the end. That's yeah, but that's not to me. It's not redemptive enough to no I redeem think, his character. Astrid, you're probably your overall favorite. Well, for, well just because she got the short end of the stick. Like I really enjoyed Summer and Atoll, and I some of the other ones later. Uh, Gustav is like an art critic. I didn't care about him. I just didn't. He, he was the, the beginning of like the middle characters where I just did not care about. He didn't. I don't know what he was about. I don't. I'm not entirely sure neither. Like you talked and talked and talked and talked, and I was like, I just don't. Like he didn't. Gustav didn't do anything for me, honestly. Do you remember anything? Because he just didn't do it. No, he was just a, a hoity-toity, n- of snooty. Like no one, no one liked him. He was just annoying. He's like, oh, he's just snooty, and he plays the violin at all hours, and no one really cared for him. Mm-hmm. There's one later, Buck, who's a basilisk, and that guy was a super D&D nerd. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be funny. Maybe It's, 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 kind, of, it's kind of exhausting, and his quest thing is really long. Like, really Very long. Very long and drawn out. And I kind of felt bad, because I'm like, I'm supposed to like this character, and I just really, I, I didn't. I found him annoying. Yeah. Now I know people that play D and D in the real that, world that don't talk, like but they're that. not like, oh man, oh I fell to my initiative. Do you have anything to talk about? I'm like, what? No one does that. No one walks up to people, rolls dice, and then tries to have a conversation based off. It's it was heavy handed. Yeah, and I found it mildly annoying. Yeah. I, thought, I thought I thought he was just exhausting to deal with. Uh, I'm looking into like 
maybe some stuff that goes on. I want to now at the time for that. Yeah, would yeah like the reason. I did his whole thing, but he's just not. Yeah. He's just not very interesting. The, 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 again, the latter half ones are a little weak sauce. Yeah. But we we did speak, but this one might hit some people a little harder. Is uh, we spoke about him very briefly. I won't go into much into his story, but there is Stanley, who is a missable character. Actually, completely missable. He's completely missable. We, we, I looked. Well, I looked later, and I was looking online. And I was like, "Oh, you got to do this and go do that and do that." And I was like, "Oh, I didn't do. Could have done that hours ago." Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Stanley. I mean, we said before, Stanley is the child. There's he's a child. He's a, he's a, a young child, happy, eight or less. Yeah, he's a happy, like kind of a bouncy. Follows you around. Really likes Stella. Will follow you when he, when he gets to liking. First, he's kind of nervous when he gets to liking. Your affection on Stella, he will follow you around the boat and always ask him what you want to do and stuff like that. And he's just he's just a kid and he likes to draw and stuff like that. And he has a whole his whole little story. I forget how he passed away and how he's relatable to Stella in her previous life. But he's weird because he's the one thing that's maybe it's not not an animal. <laughs> yeah, he, he that is true. He's like a, he's a little mushroom kid. And you have to like I say like to get him you have to like find this weird seed somewhere. Now, then, now the seed is pretty late in the game. Yeah. You find it, but then you plant the seed and it grows into a little mushroom kid. So I don't know. He seems like somebody that should have been deal that would have been added on later. Some weird DLC, but he's part of the he's part of the main game, isn't he? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, it says the the ones that are You're, it says that Buck is technically the last character you get in the game mm-hmm. before the updates. Okay. And I figured out what Dario was. Dario is a bat. Dario the bat. Okay, because I was looking at all there, trying to figure. Cause I was trying to figure out what Astro was, and I went on a, a little live, clicking all the pictures, figure out exactly who everyone was. Anyway, yeah, it's a, it's too much. It's honestly, it, it is too much to get into to talk about everybody. Uh, it is a very good game. Yeah, and, I, I liked it. I was like, when I first started, I was like telling Blake, I was like, I'm really addicted to this. Like, I enjoyed playing it quite a bit. Uh, it's the the path of upgrading the boat and meeting the people. Like it's like the really the early the first. It's ten, like the perfect ten... OCD cycle where you get to, you get you get a character. They unlock new blueprints for you. The blueprints unlock new tools like a, a blacksmith. And then the next character you get after you complete some of their quests, he's like, "Ooh, you do blacksmithing. Here's a a foundry where you can smelt your blacksmith in the different materials." Mm-hmm. And then here's a wood shop. And then you can combine the wood shop with the foundry and the smelter to start making glass and windows and stuff to make houses and upgrades. And it just, but then after a certain point, you have everything, and the game still it's like, goes. It's like, it's like when the when the upgrade path runs out. Yeah. 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 And I feel like the later, like you said, like the we say the later stories don't hit as well as the early stories. Yeah. But I I did enjoy. The, now, sometimes it was my fault is I would get addicted to doing the meaningless stuff, oh, like yeah. farming and making wood and stuff like that that I didn't need to do when I should have just been... Because there's a travel time, and as you upgrade your ship, and the travel up. time does decrease as well as you unlock more fast travel stations. Mm-hmm. But you should never be sitting still doing all your stuff. You should First thing you should do is you should plot a course and then start doing your farming, then start doing your apple... Your tree plucking and foundry building and smelting because everything does have a mini game that goes along with now, it. What, what we did say, looming and so. while we were playing, the characters that, that are attached to the different places will sometimes hand you materials that complete materials. But we kind of wish there was this game was missing, especially mid to late game, some sort of automation. 
Yes, letting your pe- but after a certain point, the people leave. They do leave. I wonder if there was like some magical way to just them leaving. Maybe left a resonance of magic that I don't know. It just seems because I think Gwen, your first character, is a loom. I don't see Karen, Karen running around pulling out, we pull, were... pulling carrots out of a garden. I just no. I definitely feel like there should have been some some sort of automation, automation to them. because on top of them all having a favorite activity. Which is, you know, I explained Gwen Blacksmith, Looming Blacksmith, and so on and so forth. Is each character had an also overworld mini game, which you had all had one a good chunk. Good chunk of them had big, big mini games, yeah. No, all of them. Because when you had to go. Atoll had what? Lightning in a bottle? Lightning in a bottle was Atoll. The dragons, which were repeatable offenses, uh, offenses, repeatable Instances. instances. I think uh, the bottle was actually kind of cool. Again, looks really cool because you're literally got glass bottles and you're catching lightning in a bottle. Yeah, and same you, thing you, goes. You run, for... you run to these spots and lightning shoots down into the bottle, and then lightning lightning in a bottle is a resource you use for other stuff. And then someone else, which was Astrid, had the 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 the, the, the was, she, was she the jellyfish? I think she was the jellyfish. She was the jellyfish. Giovanni was the meteor showers. Mm-hmm. Buck was something. He was knocking down the bad guys. It was, I would have hated that one. Yeah, and then who? He had uh, these like uh, pop up bad guys. He had to walk over to him and because you had to, because your your Everlight had different abilities and you had this like this, this uh, like shockwave yeah. light thing that would knock down the bag. I hated doing Buck. Buck just had the crappiest one. And then Gustav, I think, was no Stanley was the the moon beetles that you could only see Stanley's, mm-hmm. and then someone else was. Like the water crabs or something. Little things that ran, ran around on the thing. Yeah, they all have. Oh, so maybe, so maybe every, they all, maybe they all every single one of them had an overworld ability that gave you a, a, a resource or something that was only available in that. Or you could occasionally get it very rarely from like the crates and stuff you pass along. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, do you have anything else you want to add? Any closing thoughts? I didn't. I was. I didn't beat it. I've played thirty-four hours, which is a lot to play for a game that I didn't quite beat. I've got. Apparently I'm fooling around because the t the, the average TA completion is 25 to 30. So apparently I've been fooling around. I got 31 of the 39 achievements. Problem is that one Kang this. I don't know because it would have to evolve involve doing the Astro playing again and because I didn't do the. I don't know if you could have like saved or guided out for the Astro choice. I bet you could have. I didn't. I was ex- I wasn't expecting a choice. So I don't know if I'll ever get the 1K. I don't know. How many achievements did you get? 31. Oh God, I got 22. So I, I, but I liked it a lot more. I think you quit sooner than me because you're like, I ain't gonna make it. I, yeah, I think I yeah, I think I did quit like a couple of days before. I was like, I'm not gonna beat this. And I'm like, you have you have like extra characters. Yeah. Like I I liked it, but I was getting burnt out. Yeah. This is normally thirty dollars, which is probably I don't want to say because because I like the game so much, it's worth thirty dollars. I don't know, maybe 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 twenty. Maybe it's a lot of you do get a lot of game. It's always about your and then all those the, free updates. The time, came out, the time versus the cost of a game. Thirty hours. I spent over thirty thirty dollars. I spent over thirty hours in the game. Maybe it's worth thirty dollars to somebody, especially for the farewell edition. I don't know when. I'd love. I mean, I'd like to finish this. Probably, uh, we'll see where I where I land on how I feel depending on seeing it in sales and stuff like that. But. I think it's a really cool game. It's not for everybody because there is no, there is no legitimate, there's no combat or anything like that. People might not like these standing around little sim games and stuff like that. I know a few people that that would get a thrill out of it. At the very mm-hmm. least, it's like the the farming and the crafting and all that stuff. And 
being able to build everything and upgrade yeah. everything. Well, I, as soon as I heard you get to build, expand a boat, you, you always get those and recruit people and build something. You always get this. It's now it doesn't feel like it when you're doing it in this game, but you always get those little suey coding vibes. Yeah. That, that like, fix of, I, I, I've talked about it before, is I love being able to build a village and stuff and recruit yeah. people and have them build the village. And, closest we got was like Yeez 8 maybe. Oh, Yeez 8 and then, really ticked those And then those keep boxes. an eye out for Suey Code 1 and 2 coming back out oh, soon. Oh, yes. I'm very, so excited. Very excited. I think it's a really cool game with some of the most some of the beautiful beautiful art you'll see. Oh, two, yeah. 2D, 2D art you'll see in a game of recent memory. Like it's It looks incredible. Has a great aesthetic. I, I, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. Uh, so, so it maybe a little too long. I kind of wish it was a little, like it would have stuck. It's going to stick with me forever probably, but I think I would have liked it to like wrapped up a little quicker. Like maybe they could have saved some stuff for a Spirit Fair or two or something like that. Kind of really wrap this game up, make this game a more more tight and complete package and then kind of maybe uh, set stuff aside for a sequel at a later date. Even though, even if they don't do Spirit, they don't want to do Spirit Fair 2 right away, just set some characters aside for for another adventure. I feel like it would have been great. I just feel like it is it is too long. You got anything else, Blake? Uh, no, I don't. Oh, well, I have one final thing to add. Mm-hmm. Come la- It's to be announced. hasn't come out yet, but it says later in 2022... I'm not sure how much later, considering that we're in November. We have November and December, <laughs> but there are supposed to be releasing mobile versions for iOS and Android. Oh, Spirit Fair, yeah, and those are being one of those. What is that weird thing we're getting into now? Where uh, the it's been optioned and bought by Netflix with the possibility of it creating a show. Oh, that'd be good. And the pitch of the show is an anthological. Every episode will focus around a particular spirit. character. Yeah. With the possibility of going further than the game and introducing stuff that wasn't in the game, but uh, they also mentioned having refresher episodes, which is where episodes where it's, they would just be getting to know the people mm-hmm. and recruiting new people to filling in old slots and stuff like that. Yeah, I will say a, a show will add would add voice voices because this this has like little ums and hums and yeah, like, di- like different little things chip tune noises a little, little, little bit of noise there's no voice acting uh, weirdly enough I really thought it was going to have voice acting but it, it does not but uh, I would probably watch the a Netflix show if it, if it had the same I just don't problem as I worry if it, if we, it would have to be all CGI or animated would it be, why not make it why not make it look just like exactly I so. mean they, they've nailed apparently they've nailed the Cuphead show oh yeah so if they could get the Cuphead show to work Surely they could get Spirit Fair as a show. That's that's really neat. You should have mentioned that earlier. Well, I wanted to save it as like kind a, of cl- as a closing thing. It's yeah. a closing thought because it didn't really. Have, it thought it would be kind of cool because Netflix is doing that a bunch where they're optioning and making games and stuff. But they, so far, they like Castlevania and they did. Um, you said they're working on Auction Free. These things that kind of would transfer kind of well to a cool, creepy little because Auction Free would be a cool little TV show. Cuphead's this is like a smash success. Like Cuphead's about to release season four. <laughs> Four seasons of Cuphead, you know, it's insane already. So that's that. I think it's great. I think everybody should play it. Maybe buy it if you want to now, or maybe it'll come back to Game Pass. I was going to like try to rent it, but of course, when you go to rent it on Game Game Fly, there it happens often. There's not a Xbox version on Game Fly. It only has like the PS4 and the Switch version on on a on Game Fly, which is annoying. That happens to Xbox quite a bit on Game Fly. All right. Here we move on to the last thing. Blake has picked a movie since he picked a... I did a band last, and before that he did a TV show, which we hope folks kind of would have stumbled into uh, 
sex education. Like I said, we can't, I'm not going to get into it now, but we can't rave about that show as, too much because it was, it's been so good. But he's now going to switch into a movie, which he has scoured his movie collection to find something that he hasn't talked about before. All right, so the movie I'll be briefly talking about and trying to sell you on is called Bug, which came out in 2006. There's a couple other movies called Bug. That's why I had to clarify that. It's like a horror movie from like 1976 and a couple other things. But the one I'm talking about came out in 2006 and stars Ashley Judd and Michael Shannon. I'll get into them here in just a second. So Bug which is directed by William Friedrich, Friedrichkin. And he's most known for... He's been doing a lot of stuff. He's been making movies since 1962, and he's the last movie he made is 2017, but he's still active in like pro, pro, producer role and so on and so forth. So he's still around. Some of his movies include... See, in 2003, The Hunted, starring Tommy Lee Jones... In 2000, Rules of Engagement with uh, Samuel O. Jackson and I think Tommy Lee Jones as well. In 1977, uh, a thriller called The Sorcerer, which is really weird because it's about a box of dynamite sweating nitroglycerin in the back of a moving van in another country. I don't know where the name Sorcerer comes from. Anyway, in 1971, he did the original version of The French Connection. It's been remade like a few times since then. But the big thing that I think everyone will know from was he is the director of 1973's The Exorcist. And that is The Exorcist. He directed that, which is pretty awesome. He's done a bunch of other stuff. I just kind of went through and picked a couple of things from different decades that he'd been in because I I didn't want to go through this entire discography or filmography, rather. The writer is is named Tracy Letts. Now, he's primarily a playwright, mostly all plays. Now, of all of his plays, four of them have been made, well, three of them have been made into movies, and a fourth one has been made into a TV show. That Those include Bug, Killer Joe, August, Asoga County, and those are the movies. And the TV show is called Superior Donuts. Yeah. We've seen two of those movies. And oddly enough, Killer Joe was also directed by Rudin Fredrickson because they liked working together so much. But he didn't do August. Okay. It was a different different type, like family drama, and he didn't want anything to do with family drama. But so uh, Tracy Letts has done pretty good work. I, I enjoyed Killer Joe Cooper, and I like Bug, and I look forward to watching these, seeing these other things. Ashley Judd, I don't know a lot of... I, I looked in some of her... She's Ashley Judd. People know who Ashley Judd is, but a lot of her works really didn't pop for me other than Eye of the Beholder with Hugh McGregor. She was in Heat with Pacino and uh, De Niro. She was in Heat. She was... Oh my God, what's his name? Check out our Action the Movie podcast episode of Heat. I don't know what episode it was, but we, did, we, we covered... Uh, Steve had picked Heat for one of his movies for other podcasts. She is Val Kilmer's girlfriend in that movie. I don't remember her at all. Baham Bug. I slept through part of heat. As well as, you got a shower, you didn't sleep. That's right. Uh, as well as Frida with some Hayek. And then uh, Where the Heart Is. Do you remember that movie? You don't remember that movie? Oh, whatever. Where the Heart Is is actually a pretty cute movie. I like that. And we, her co-star 
is Michael Shannon. Now, Michael Shannon is a phenomenal actor. Just period. He's, he's, not sure he's, I'm not sure he's as famous as he should be. He should be much more famous than he is. But he's been, like I said, he's been acting in all sorts of stuff. Theater. He actually has a tiny music career, too, where he's done some singing. But he got a starring role was in Groundhog's Day. That was his first thing. His launching thing was originally Groundhog's Day. Then he's gone on to do, he was in Pearl Harbor, uh, Bad Boys 2, Vanilla Sky... None of these are starring roles, though. No, he's always in kind of like in the background a little bit, but he's he's also he was uh, in he's really he, the thing about him is he's very serious. He is a very tall, serious, intimidating man with an intimidating voice. But when he does comp comedic roles, his comedy timing is pristine. What was that Christmas movie we watched? Pottersville. Pottersville. And that is a phenomenal. I love Pottersville. Yeah. So, Pottersville is funny because I heard Michael Shanning. Shannon talking on maybe it was ID Ten T or something like that. Talking, Chris had mentioned something that maybe a, a movie you liked a bunch that didn't go nowhere, and he brought up Pottersville. And I was like, huh, interesting. So then we watched it, and it's a really strange kind of Christmas movie where he dresses up like Bigfoot, and then because the, the town needs some, is it like the town needs the some, town's collapsing? The town's kind of collapsing. So he does this. He dresses up like Bigfoot. I forget how he gets to that point. Well, it's it's by accident. He does it. He, he gets, gets drunk, drunk and he goes to spy on his potential. I'm not gonna spoil that movie because that movie is definitely worth watching. But he's gonna go spy on his potentially uh, cheating wife, and he gets a because he runs a general store, so he steals a ghillie suit from his inventory and goes. And then some hunters see him out in the woods and think Bigfoot's think in the woods. Bigfoot. So this, whole, this whole Bigfoot conspiracy starts. So he plays a, a, a serious but kind of comedic role in that one. And we he, love, he very and, and he's the lead in that one yeah. movie. It's him. and if, I, I should pick that movie, but that movie was great too. <laughs> pick that movie. He's the lead in Bug. Yeah. But, he, yeah, but he's fantastic in, the, in Pottersville. But uh, like I, said, uh, I brought up his comedic timing because there's another movie called Let's Go to Prison. Mm-hmm. With Dak Shepard and Will Arnett, and he plays like the warden of the prison, and it's that's a hilarious movie. I've seen it, but his probably especially more recently, he he he's been acting, but like in the late 2010s, he just got reignited for the world to see over, including um, the Iceman, where he played the Iceman Killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't seen that yet. But I won't. He was one of the lead reoccurring characters in Knives Out. He was one of the family members. He was with the cane. He was the eldest brother of Tony Collette. Him. I don't remember that. Michael Shannon is in that movie. It's got a sequel out now too. Yeah, uh, Glass Onion. And then more recently, actually very recently, like this last month, he's in Bullet Train. He's apparently not in the commercials, but he's in Bullet Train. So I'm excited, more nice. excited to see. Well, that. yeah. Are you gonna mention Superman? Oh, that's gonna be the last thing I end okay. on. Yeah. Okay. And then, like for people more recent, like I said, 2010s and later, reigniting his career, he was. General Zod in uh, Man of Steel. An awesome General Zod. A, fan- a phenomenal General Zod. Yeah. He's just really cool. Yeah, I want to see Bullet Train. I don't, he's, he's, not, he's not in another trailer for Bullet Train. Nope. So he must be a smaller role. But like I said, he, he, he I guess you call him a character actor. Is You give him a role and he makes that role. And it is awesome. Like, the movie may suck, but his part's awesome. Mm-hmm. But it, most of the movies I've seen him in, I... I, I tend to enjoy like his presence makes the movie better mm-hmm. in a weird way. I agree. Big Michael Shannon fan. Oh yeah, I need to see more of his film. We've seen a lot of them already. Yeah. One cool thing too is uh, this is the 
I've talked about this in some other shows, other movies, and we spoke about this really recently in the most recent episode of Action, the movie podcast, talking about characters. The episode of the podcast, it's out today? Yes. <laughs> Is it? It came out today? <laughs> but we talked about in, in that episode of spoilers uh, that some people get the role in theater, but when they, when they option it to make it a movie, they get ran over for a bigger name. Mm-hmm. Michael Shannon was the original character who played this character in the book play? in the in the starting of the play in London, and a few of the select U.S. releases of the play. That's and then cool. and then he got to play it in the movie. So that that's not something that always happens. I think that's incredibly rare. Well, considering the movie came out in '96, it was a ten year difference, and in that ten years, he had become. It's a '96 movie. No, no, no. The play came okay, out in 96. That movie's newer than that. The play came out in 96 okay. and the movie 2006. So in that 10-year period, Michael Shannon went from being just a theater actor to having known pieces primarily has a lot to do. Actually, he may have been a, a known thing because Groundhog's Day originally came out in like 80-something anyway. And Groundhog's Day was a huge movie. I need to, re- I need to rewatch it because I, I, I don't know where he's at in that. He's a smaller role in Groundhog's Day, but he's in there. Hmm. But right. yeah, so... And he got to, and I think that was pretty cool. That may have been what helped the movie get made too, as he was already a known face, established name. Yeah. Well, well, him, well, him and the director too. Well, the dr- oh, you can't forget and then, the and then Ashley Judd. So I think it is pretty. Bug is also a movie that nobody's heard of. It's just strange. Uh, I'm kind of. I mean, it's a strange ass movie. I want to get into real quick the concept of the movie. We got to do that now. <laughs> yeah, because we uh, spent a big got, chunk of time on Michael Shannon. Slobbed all over Michael Shannon. It is a very. Small film, like the whole movie only costs like four million dollars. Is it all in one location, just about? There is a diner, mm-hmm. and that some of the scenes happen in, and then there's outside the motel and in, in the motel room. Mm-hmm. And I'll say eighty percent, maybe eighty-five percent of the movie is inside the motel room. What happens is Ashley Judd's character, which is Agnes, and Michael Shannon's character, which is named Peter. Agnes and Peter get introduced to one another. At a party, essentially, they're like, "Oh, this is you know, this dude's a, you know, he he's a. They call him a drifter, but he comes in and out. He's not jobless or anything. He just comes in and out of town often. And she's a waitress. And they like, oh, you know, you guys should get together. I think you have you'd have a lot in common. You're both lonely. Anyway, (laughs) that's kind of what happens. And so they end up, you know, becoming friendly towards one another. And Lo and behold, he talks about that he's a veteran of the Gulf War and that while he was in the service, they experimented on him. And he is so charismatic and endearing, she starts to believe him. And then his par- his paranoia and stuff and begins to infect her. And then the majority of the movie is them literally having locked themselves in a motel room, filled the entire entire motel room with aluminum foil and a couple other things to block out outside signals from infecting the his brain and the quote-unquote bugs in the apartment. When they use bugs in the apartment, they mean like when someone taps your phone or bugs your phone. That, and then he believes that they experimented on him and he has actual bugs living in his skin. Which, that's what the... They're sending signals to the bugs. The bugs in the phones are sending signals to the bugs in his body to make him do things he doesn't want to do. It's crazy. And then by the end of the movie, the good majority of the movie, they're filmed in this 
aluminum foiled room and the only light source are several bug zappers so it gets real artistic and it's it's a mind trip and by the end of the movie you're with their paranoia and everything you're not entirely sure what's going on frankly but if you're paying attention you can kind of see but it is a it is a it is a ride of a movie that I now it's been a minute since I've seen it but I do remember enjoying it a lot and I added to the list of movies for the other podcast because I feel like that should be yeah maybe on the other podcast oh for sure but I, I I don't have anything against Ashley Judd but I adore Michael Shannon I think he is a if they had cast someone else I don't think it would be as good because you need his charismatic personality and mm-hmm. him you're like oh well, yeah yeah I, I go along with what you're saying he just pulls you in this might be one of the first movies we saw back back when it came out was like kind of he kind of really jumped out like this dude rocks man yeah probably mm-hmm. I don't have anything too much more to say other than the music. I don't talk about music too much, but the composer for this particular movie... Oh, yeah. I remember this. It's a gentleman named Brian Taylor. And now Brian Taylor makes incredible work. Like, again, it's phenomenal work. He is the top ten most profitable composers in movie history. Wow. Like, he's just been doing all sorts of movies, and he's worth X amount of money. The The music... For this film, has got some. It's got a pretty cool soundtrack, including a bunch of people. But the two primary things is the score was composed by Brian Tyler, with additional music from Serge Tankian mm-hmm. of System of a Down fame. They composed. There's an ending title song also called "Disappearing Act," which I now have to play because you named it. Which uh, was written and performed by Chris Cornell. Okay. But there is the 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 general overall theme for Bug is actually uh, written, produced, and composed with Brian Tyler and Serge Tankian only. So you can play either or or both somewhere in there. Because they they have a the they have a soundtrack on Spotify. Neato. So yeah, I remember when when this was initially announced, it was mention of Serge being involved with the soundtrack. That may have been one of the main things that got us into watch the movie. Yeah. Like, oh, Serge we is doing Serge when we knew Michael Shannon at the time. Yeah, but that's it for that. You got a tagline for the movie? Oh, we've been forgetting that. I do. Uh, you, it's okay if you don't have it. I've been meaning to tell, tell you guys to do that on, do that on, on the other podcast because we think tagline taglines for movies are really funny. Well, I'm, I'm gonna bring that up to Steve. We could do it at the ending or beginning of whatever movies. Okay, yeah, they have um, a couple of different ones, but I'll go with the the main one, which is. It's, I hate taglines sometimes because they're just stupid and they don't so, represent the movie at all. But bug. First they send their drone, and then they find their queen. That's dumb. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we wrap up right here <laughs> on that note, I want to thank um, Jared Jones for letting us use uh, the Merge song, Letting Go, as our uh, intro to the podcast. We really love that and really appreciate it. It makes the podcast sound better than it actually is. Emerge is posting dates all the time. They're in various places, uh, kind of more locally around Tennessee, it seems. But uh, look up Emerge right now and go catch them at a live show. They're a really good live. I feel like, and I, they should not feel like, I know we've seen them live two or three times. Uh, catch Emerge live somewhere, support them, buy their stuff. Tell, if you meet Jared, tell them the guys at the 
here at the podcast, sent you to the show, and he'll be really excited to hear that because he's such a nice guy. I think I said before, every time I've ran into him, he's immediately jumped jumped into a hug. He's such a sweet guy. We want to thank Miladin Markovic, a.k.a. Devious Pixel, for supplying the art for this podcast. He is currently working on a really cool art piece for uh, Co-op Endeavors, which we're very excited about. He's putting the uh, finishing touches on a art piece that Blake told him to go nuts on, so he's going nuts on it. Uh, so we'll have that uh, to show before too long. Uh, so I always want to thank him for the art and sticking with us. And then if you go a few episodes back, you can listen to our interview with Miladin. He's a very interesting and funny funny guy. I like, we like him quite a bit. And I uh, just want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, follow us on all the social media stuff and come to our streams. Our streams is a lot, one of our biggest thing. We're trying to make it bigger if we can. We're not going to be like famous off of it, but we like people to show up and get involved and then enjoy the episodes we make of those games afterwards. We are currently had started uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. And we have our next game. Uh, Brian has picked our next game after that. We're not sure how it'll go. We're not going to announce it yet. We're not sure how it's going to go because it seems to be a PvP style game. And we're all not competitive gamers. So we'll see how that goes uh, when we get to it. But come join us for those. Follow us on twitch.tv forward slash two smoky controller to see when we go live because we do not necessarily schedule those because we're all kind of we all have lives and kids and families and it's just too much to try to like set a specific time by i know it sucks but that's just the way the world is and that's all i got and i'll let blake close it out here i did find a second tagline said close it out here this is a better tagline (laughs) than that other one but it is a paranoia is contagious that actually fits fits a lot better than that first garbage one Anyway, uh, I want to wish everybody a good evening and good night. Come on now, the curtain is drawn, and tomorrow stands before you. Dressed and draped in a cold black cape like a crow, he ignores you. Look again, there's a beautiful girl Covers him in a holy land smile It's the great disappearing act Done once again for tomorrow Crowd as we're chasing our tails Biting our nails so strong